Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Exploring Faith, the podcast series from the Salvation Army in Morley. If you want to hear more from us, all of our services are streamed live at 10.15 every Sunday on both Facebook and YouTube. Just search Morley Salvation Army. Well, earlier in the week, I, um, I asked for some of you to send in um, examples of a journey that you've been on where you'd um, eventually ended up in the wrong direction. And here are a couple of stories that have been shared with me. Um, I'm not going to mention the people's names that have shared them with me. Having said that, one of them posted it on our, our core um, internal Facebook page, so the core folk will know, but the other person's not going to be mentioned unless they would like to own up in the middle of the story and, and post on the comments. The Duke of Edinburgh Award is perhaps best known, our writer says, for sending groups of young people into the great outdoors to get very lost. For my bronze Duke of Edinburgh Award, we went up to the beautiful highlands of Scotland to complete our expedition. Our route was a 20-mile walk over two days with an overnight stay under canvas. What could possibly go wrong? What should have been a 20-mile walk transpired into a 40-mile walk. At the end of the first day, we arrived at our campsite three hours late. We missed a turning and ended up walking six miles in the wrong direction and found ourselves in the centre of Aviemore. If all this wasn't bad enough, school became so fed up of waiting for us to get back that they sent a minibus out to bring us back. And the other contributor for this morning is my sister and I once spent several hours on the M25 when we were trying to get from Yorkshire to Colchester. We shouldn't have been anywhere near the M25. It was days before SatNav and it took nearly 10 hours. One quick story from me. Um, I remember a group of uh, youth from our home corps going together to go ice skating and we went to Telford. That's about an hour from where we we lived, and um, on the Saturday evening after we'd finished, we all said our goodbyes and we travelled back to our homes. And the following morning at the meeting, I inquired of one young man if he'd had a good journey back and asked him what time he'd got back. We were home about half past ten, and he said to me, I didn't get home till three o'clock in the morning. I didn't realise I was lost until I saw the sign to Milton Keynes. So he was going from Telford to south of Birmingham, and he managed to find himself not far north of um, London, really, close to Milton Keynes. He got lost. He was going in the wrong direction. I'm sorry if you're watching this morning. I didn't get your permission to share that story, did I? I haven't mentioned your name, though, Stephen Haskell. Oh, I just did. I presume you are familiar with the story of Jonah. Many of us would have heard it in our Sunday school days, and would have sung that song that we heard in the offering this morning. Did you enjoy that rendition of that song this morning? Stunned silence. What an epic fail we read of in the first chapter of Jonah. He heard the word of the Lord when Eugene Peterson paraphrases, up on your feet and on your way to the big city of Nineveh, preach to them. They're in a bad way, and I can't ignore it any longer. Jonah sets off, running away from the law. He was trying to get to Tarshish, not just running away a little bit from what God had asked him to do, but running 
more than two and a half thousand miles in the opposite direction to where God had asked him to go. It's clear from the book of Jonah that Jonah was not a lover of the people of Nineveh and wanted to put as much distance as he could between Nineveh and himself. But what a disastrous choice he made, setting off in the direction he did. Jonah caused chaos through his choice. Jonah put others at risk. Jonah's actions caused others great stress. Jonah's actions caused others to do things that I guess they never thought they would have to do as sailors, throwing someone overboard. Jonah, I guess, would not have envisaged that his decision to go in the opposite direction to what God had asked him to would have caused so many issues and would see him ending up spending three days in the belly of a fish. It's not what you would expect. Is it? After he prayed to the Lord in chapter 2, from inside the fish, the Lord gave a commandment to the fish, and the fish, we are told, vomited Jonah onto dry land at the end of chapter 2. And in chapter 3, we read the word of the Lord coming to Jonah a second time. This bit's not in Scripture, but I can almost hear God saying... Where was I? Oh, yes, Jonah. How are you? Right. Shall we try that again? Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim the message I give you. This time, there is no apparent hesitation on Jonah's part. Why would there be? In some ways, I think Jonah would have been thinking to himself, Let's take the lesser of the, in his mind by now, I guess, two evils. Eugene Peterson writes that Jonah, this time, went obeying God's orders to the letter. I wonder if at any point Jonah thought to himself, why on earth did I not do this the first time? Jonah preaches over a period of days, and eventually the king of Nineveh issues a proclamation for everyone to call urgently to God to give up their evil ways and their violence, hoping that God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that the people of Nineveh would not die but would be allowed to live. And in the Bible reading that John read to us earlier, we heard how God did relent and didn't bring about the destruction that he had threatened. If only Jonah had obeyed God in the first place how much suffering would he have saved himself and others? But the story it doesn't end there. Oh no, Jonah got angry. After all, as a Jew, he did not want the Gentiles to share his God. And he appeared to have forgotten that in Genesis 22, God said to Abraham that through his offspring, all nations were to be blessed by the sharing of God's message with them. Jonah got stroppy with God. Told you. Told you this would happen. That's why I went in the opposite direction. And Jonah quotes the words of the psalmist, words that we started our meeting with this morning. I knew 
that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. I knew it. I knew this would happen. Jonah's anger was growing and he stormed off out of the city. And as John read to us earlier, sat down in a sulk. Jonah really needed to look at his attitude. The story continues. And Jonah made a shelter, sat in the shade and waited. In his strop, in his sulk, he waited to see what would happen next. It was clearly very uncomfortable, so God provided a vine and made it grow up over Jonah to give him some extra shade, something that we are told confirms, that Jonah confirms that he was happy about. At last, we found something that Jonah was happy about. Jonah himself, even though he was in a sulk, even though he was angry, and had just told God exactly how he felt, Jonah experienced that gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, abounding love of God. Jonah really did need to look at his attitude because it doesn't end there. Jonah becomes angry with God again. His happiness apparently stripped away as God made the plant wither and then Jonah grew faint in the extreme weather. In his anger, he expresses he wishes to be dead. Jonah clearly is not in a good way and makes another unreasonable and unnecessary response to the Lord. The Lord challenges Jonah about the anger. Jonah is demonstrating about something that had been taken away, that he had nothing to do with, and something that actually is not, a, not really a concern in the bigger picture that God is seeing. In the 120,000 people that we're told, living in utter spiritual darkness in Nineveh. So there is Jonah's journey. He clearly did not like the fact that God wanted, to do, wanted him to do his work in Nineveh with people that Jonah did not feel worthy of the compassion and mercy of God. And to add insult to injury, God tasked Jonah with being his ambassador. So what can we, in 2020, in this strangest of years, in these difficult and different days, learn from this scripture this morning? I don't know. Have you spotted yourself in any part of the story we've shared this morning? As the scripture has been read and as we've just outlined the story of Jonah this morning, have you recognized that there may be a bit of Jonah in you? Here are three things, and there probably are many, many more that you've picked out. But here are just three things that as I read and reread and studied during this week, this short book of Jonah, that I believe the Lord wants me to share with you this morning. The first thing, have you been trying to get away from the Lord? 
maybe not even in an intentional way. The stories that we shared a few moments ago of people getting lost on their journeys, they were not intentional, but they happened. Have you just felt yourself, maybe you've not even realized it till this morning, becoming a little further from God, uh, trying to ignore his voice, trying to get away from what he is prompting you to be through his spirit. Your destination may not be Tarshish, but if you've been heading in the wrong direction, looking for the answers to life challenges in, in things and in places that you want to explore rather than what God wants of you, have those things and those places led to a period in your life where it just seems to be one calamity, one issue, one situation after another as you've gone it alone? Even at those times, God would have been trying, is trying to say to you, to get through to you. And I'm pretty sure that God would not have provided anyone tuned into this meeting this morning as the scripture says, a huge fish to grab your attention. But have you sensed him trying to get your attention? What has been your response? Jonah was right, you know. God is a gracious, compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love. Even in your darkest place, your darkest hour, and after you've set on the, off in the wrong direction, God is waiting for your distress call. As Jonah found out, as Jonah called, God answered. If you have been trying to get away from God, or if this morning you have realized that you have moved away from God, stop right now. Reach out, call out to him and experience his compassion and his mercy. Make the choice now to change direction because it will be the best choice you have ever made. We have heard testimony to that, haven't we? In the verses that we've shared this morning that have sustained people even in these days, the best choice, change direction now. Because God is a prodigal father who waits to lavish his grace, to lavish his compassion and his love on the prodigals, on the lost sheep. No, Richard, that's not me. That's not me at all. Okay, what about our second point? You've been obedient to the word of the Lord in your life. You've gone to your Nineveh, to the ends of the earth, as we've talked about sometimes in recent weeks. You've seen God work through you, but you feel unfulfilled. You don't feel energized by the indwelling of his spirit. In fact, there is some resentment and it may be even anger building up within you, as we saw happen with Jonah. Maybe you are one of those that we hear saying sometimes, the church, the Salvation Army, it just isn't what it used to be. We have all these others coming in now. They're not like us. 
Things just aren't the same. Why is God sending us all these unlikely people? Firstly, on that point, I take you back two weeks when General Gowan spoke to us. Remember Ken and Ida and all the things that happened because a lady that couldn't stop talking invited the children to Sunday school? Secondly, say if you recognize yourself in what I've just said, get rid of that bit of Jonah in yourself. The Life Application Study Bible says that Jonah here in verse 1 and 2 of chapter 4 revealed the reason for his reluctance to go to Nineveh. He didn't want the Ninevites forgiven. He wanted them destroyed. Jonah did not understand that the God of Israel was also the God of the whole world, the whosoever. Are you surprised when some unlikely person turns to God? Is it possible that your view is as narrow as Jonah's? Because the Life Application Study Bible reminds us that we must not forget that in reality, we do not, we, we, we do not deserve to be forgiven by God. You may not be as extreme as Jonah in not wanting people forgiven, but you might prefer it if those different to us were forgiven and chose to worship perhaps at St. Paul's or St. Peter's or down at the community church or at the church of the Nazarene. Forgive them, Lord, but please don't send them here. Anyone recognize that bit of Jonah in themselves this morning? No, Richard, that's not me. Let me challenge you further and let me ask you to think for a moment to be sure. How do you welcome the newcomer, not just into this core, but into your own core, into your own church, if you're tuning in from other places this morning? And if you recognize that bit of Jonah in yourself this morning, then like Jonah needed to, can I very gently suggest to you that maybe you need to examine your attitude to this as well? No, Richard, that's not me either. Okay, what about our third and final point then? Jonah didn't just get angry with God once. He did it again. Both times God asked him, have you any right to be angry? The first time he was like a child. Let's be honest. I say we've all done it, but I certainly have done it, and I apologize publicly now to my parents. When I've become angry as a child about something, and I've stormed off up the stairs, have you done this? And every step you go up the stairs gets louder and louder and louder till you reach the top, you get to your room, and with all your might, you pull the door to. Jonah stormed off, and he sulked. But the compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, loving God still provided what he needed in that moment. A vine for protection. The second time he became angry, the response to the question, have you any right to be angry, was, I am angry enough to die. Jonah was angry 
that the vine had been taken away, which Scripture tells us was something that he had put no effort into tending or growing. Even so, he became angry enough to die. Jonah was angry at the withering of the vine, but not over the people and what could have happened to the people of Nineveh. His response, therefore, I think, was unreasonable. What makes you angry? Are you a bit like Jonah and perhaps make no effort to tend or make something grow, but you still get annoyed when it changes or is no longer there? Yet the important stuff of life, the important stuff of life, the the 120,000 in Nineveh that the Bible reading John brought to us said that they were in utter spiritual darkness. The stuff that we heard about last night, in that great night of worship that we shared together, that's worth fighting for, that sort of stuff doesn't even make you bat an eyelid. I'm interested to see that the Salvation Army in Australia's soldiership material is called A Cause to Die For. For we believe that the Lord Jesus Christ has by his suffering and death made an atonement for the whole world so that whosoever will may be saved. Look at the world where you are at the moment. Do you see that happening where you are? The whole world turning to the Lord. Maybe our passions, maybe the things that we get uptight about are the wrong things. Maybe we are more concerned about the withering of the vine than the 120,000 people that need to know about the gracious, compassionate God that is slow to anger and abounding in love. Maybe we need to look at our response to the things that we get passionate about and the things that we don't even bat an eyelid to. If If Jonah had chosen the right direction, the right attitude or the right response, if he had followed what God had purposed for him at that time, God's will would have been accomplished, as to be fair to Jonah, it eventually was. But if he'd have followed straight away, there would have been none of the drama. I think in some way, we are all like Jonah in our human nature. We all go in the opposite direction at times. Some of us sulk. Some of us get angry with God. Can I say to you this morning, stop running. Do not be like Jonah. Choose the right direction. Choose the right attitude. Choose the right response. 
and say, into your hands I commit again with all I am for you, Lord. You hold my world in the palm of your hand and I am yours forever. <clears throat> Jesus, I believe in you. Jesus, I belong to you. You're the reason that I live. You're the reason that I sing with all my heart. Will you make that commitment to follow his direction, his way? Will you commit again to brushing up on your attitude and your responses to the things that come your way in life? Will you today commit to not be like Jonah, but to be like Jesus, who said, not my will, but yours. Are you his forever? As we listen to our worship group sing those words I've just line, outlined, just where you are, make your commitment. And if for a moment, if, if this morning it would help you to make a comment or an emoji, if it's appropriate for you in these moments to make that public commitment, I encourage you to do that, to not be like Jonah, but to be like Jesus.